What's up, everybody? It's the Disgruntled Sailor here. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Rowdy Sailors. It's a lifestyle brand for the Rowdy Sailor and all of us. It's also active duty owned and operated. They're putting out some cool stuff from t-shirts, flags, hats, tumblers, even stickers. Make sure you go check them out. Their Instagram handle is at Rowdy underscore Sailors and go support one of your own. Make sure you tell them the Disgruntled Sailor sent you and start living that Rowdy lifestyle. The views expressed on the Disgruntled Sailor podcast are exclusively our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of any member nor the view of the United States Coast Guard. Furthermore, the podcast does not have any association with nor endorsement from the Coast Guard. We're just two individuals who happen to be in the military, expressing our own personal views and opinions. So sit back, relax, crack a cold beer, unless you're underway, then next watch motherfucker. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Disgruntled Sailor Podcast. I have my co-host, Mr. Miami, here with me. What's up, everybody? Um, We are going to do a redo Electric Boogaloo Part 2 to our E7 Chief episode. And we have the Chief that we spoke about in that episode, uh, Mr. R.C. Cola. I'm probably just going to call you Chief most of the time because it's a habit I have. Right. Uh, Um, so if you want to really quick, Chief, um, just kind of introduce yourself and give us a quick recap of your career in the military. No piano! Yeah, so my, <laughs> my career is a little bit different from most. I actually started uh, with the wrong decision of being in the Navy. Uh, my, my dad is actually a retired Coast Guard as well. And the way he tells the story is that I was 18 years old and I knew everything, so I wouldn't listen to him. Uh, I joined the Navy as an aviation electronics technician, and they prompt, promptly sent me to an aircraft carrier that was in dry dock the whole time that I was there. So I didn't get to work on any airplanes. Realized that was jacked up, uh, got out, decided that I was going to go into the Coast Guard, and it turned out to be a whole lot better career choice. And I've spent the entirety of my career at various multi-mission platforms, ashore, afloat, uh, and currently sitting in a command position on the uh, on the East Coast in Virginia. All right. So it's it All sounds right. like you have a, a pretty broad background. So we've been able to answer a lot of our questions, uh, having you know, you know, multiple experiences. Um, I hope so. So did you actually listen to the E Seven Chief episode? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, what were your initial thoughts? Did we did we overstep? Did we not step far enough? Did we miss a bunch? What do you think? No, I think it was it was definitely fair. Um, you were honest about what your experiences with some chiefs have been, uh, and you you weren't afraid to pull any punches, but at the same time, you weren't being dicks about it, which I appreciate. Um, given some of the things that we're seeing on like the, uh, the Coast Guard memes page over the last few months, when they decide that they want to go after Chiefs, man, they are brutal. And it kind of hurts because, uh, you know, me and the guys that I came up with as Chiefs, like we have this, this idea about how we want things to run at our units. And it is clear that there are some places in the Coast Guard today that do not have that same kind of leadership. Yeah, I mean, and 
meme culture today is way different than it used to be too that's true like i mean like back when what was it admiral pap was uh the commandant like they he, that man didn't want memes anywhere <laughs> no no he he was uh he was definitely the killjoy for the service yeah um so with that being said uh I'm, i liked your your points i feel like like we talked afterwards we kind of thought like you know and a, and a couple other people messaged us and said you guys built us up that you were just going to rake the chiefs over the coals and you know you guys were just going to do this and just shit on them and we kind of went into it thinking that way but i think at, throughout the course of you know me complaining cuz you know that's what i do i'm good at it and you know disgruntled sailor <laughs> kind of being the devil's advocate i think it kind of we toned ourselves down except for a couple things where i just said that dude's a straight up dickhead you know right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't want the episode to come off as like we were just shitting on people. I just, I, I know there's like a clear difference between an E7 and a Chief, and a lot of people, especially a lot of junior members, they don't, they don't realize that yet. For sure, for sure. And I, I will go so far as to say that there's some Chiefs that don't realize that, regardless of whether or not they've gone through initiation. Um, case in point. Uh, you have at your unit right now someone who I would consider to be a real chief who's not initiated. And when I was there, before I went through initiation, we had an initiated chief in our mess who I wouldn't call a chief. He was an absolute dickhead, and he did not he did not do the things that I would expect an initiated chief to do. So, yeah, th- there's... So let me touch on that real quick. That, that was something when I was a new chief, um, I kept hearing this term. Like I, I went to my first chief's call at, uh, at the local sector where we were assigned. And I kept hearing as we were doing the introductions going around the room, I kept hearing the same phrase. Well, I've been an E7 since X time, but I've been a real chief since Y time. Okay, so they're, they're talking about when they're initiated. That, that's cool. I didn't like using the term real chief when talking about someone who's been initiated. I understand the, I understand the reasoning behind it, but I don't think even today with as long as I've been a chief and as long as I've been initiated, I still don't think that that makes you a real chief going through initiation air quotes there for the people who can't see us. Uh, yeah, a real chief has everything to do with how you act as a leader and how you are around your people it has nothing to do with whether or not you've been initiated. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I feel like it's how you treat people, how you you know lead your division that you're in, uh, how you come off as a person. It, it, just because you put on the anchors doesn't mean you know everything. And being able to take a step back and you know be able to work through those scenarios to help your members, I think, is a lot to do with it. Yeah, definitely. And and not being afraid to so. Being on a ship, one of the things that a, a chief's mess is notoriously known for is the chiefs that never leave the mess. And you guys touched on that on your first episode. Uh, while I don't feel that our mess when I was there uh, was bad for that, I definitely know of some who are awful for that. They'll never get out unless it comes time to de- either deliver some bad news or to hold up somebody's liberty or you know some task needs to be done. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get wanting to be in the mess. I mean, like, as a junior member, that's what that's what you aspire to be when, you, when you're when you coming up through the ranks is, you know, I want to get in there. I want to be a part of that. I want to have that camaraderie. 
And, you know, I get wanting to be in there and hang out, but at the same time, I feel like you have to, you won't, you don't have a good pulse of the crew if you don't make your rounds. Like For I, sure. And, and I want to be clear that, you know, that, go ahead. I, I spend more time in E6 birthing than any other E6. You know, my chair has my ass and dent in it for sure. And, but, you know, but I'm also an E6. And, but when it comes time to do the mission, I'm always the first one out the door. And when it's crunch time, I'm always the one, you know, get my stuff done. And, you know, I think that's where I was, I felt that it was okay for me to bitch about people just hanging out in the chief's mess because I also sit around a lot, but I also go out and I do the mission and I get the job done. And, you know, it just bothered me that, you know, they just hung out in there and then just came out every once in a while to smoke or just to yell at me for no reason about sitting down or coming down at East Berlin and yell at me for sitting down, you know, when that's all they do. Yeah, and to be clear, there's a lot of business that happens behind that door, uh, especially when underway. There's there's an almost constant conversation going on of what's happening on the boat, what what things need to be addressed. What does the command chief need to go talk to the captain about? Uh, what challenges are we going to be facing over the next 24, 48 hours? You know, changing watch schedules, moving people around so that we can make sure that everybody's getting the job done without, you know, any one particular group having to, to shoulder the entire load. Those conversations were happening all the time. I feel like when you were there and, you know, the original chief of the boat when I was there, when that was when I was when you guys were there, I felt like that was happening. And it was not only that I feel like it was happening, I felt that way because it was communicated to us. You know, the first chief of the boat when I was there would come down to E6 Birthing, shut the hatch, and just be like, what's up, guys? What do you want to know? And we'd just be like, you know, asking the dickhead questions that everybody's wondering about. You know, is this true? Is that true? And he's like, here's what I'm doing. I'm working on it. He goes, I'll march right up to the CO state room right now. And it just feels like, you know, now it just feels like it's just a place to either go get yelled at or, you know, a place to avoid. Yeah, and, and I can't speak to what you've got going on there right now because I only know a couple of the people who are there. But uh, Mr. Check Out My Socks was um, – he was he was legit. And I can – me personally, I can't think of anybody better to have learned from uh, than that guy when I first got there, you know, brand new at the Anchors. You know, when you talk about, you know, what constitutes – a real chief that's the guy right there because he did not give a shit when it came to you know knocking down the captain's door for something and he was genuinely concerned about the pulse of the crew all the time yeah and he didn't sugarcoat any answers no. either. He, he told you straight up what it was whether Absolutely. you were gonna like it or not and that i appreciated that i was really taken back last week when i was at work um i got i got piped to the uh to the quarter deck that i had a phone call and I go out there, and um, you remember you were on the fantail, and they're like, yeah, it's Mr. Look yeah. at My Socks. And I was like, what the hell does he want from me? Because, you know, he's a warrant officer now, and he's up doing big warrant officer things. And when I, he, I picked up the phone, I was like, what can I do for you, sir? He's like, I had this weird, ridiculous question that only that's your rate specific. And I was like, you know, if anybody's going to know, it's going to be this guy. Mr. Miami's going to know. And I was like, you thought I was going to know? He's like, well, let me ask you the question first. Yeah. And I was like, because I don't really feel like I'm that good at my job, you know. And he's like, well, let me ask you the question. And he asked, and I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I happen to actually know this one. And he's like, all right. And then I was like, send me an email so I remember. And I sent him so much information, like eight different things. I totally RC colored it up. And I was like, check all this shit out. 
you know, here's a deep dive. Here's a, <laughs> here's a, just a touch on it. You know, pick whichever one you want. And I was just like, you know, I only worked with a guy for a year. And, you know, just not, even though you're at that level, you know, you, you can re- rely and reach down to the people that you met that were like, like I do, I literally did to you what yesterday, Chief, when I, I had that TMT question. You know, so, yep. Good leaders, yep. it goes up and down. Like I, we haven't been stationed together in like what a year. I haven't been stationed with Mister Look at My Socks in two years. But the lines of communication are still open because they were good leaders, good chiefs. I respected them, and you know, you know, maybe respect me. I don't know. I can't speak for you guys. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, and and it's true. It's true across the entire uh, spectrum for all the pay grades. But it's more especially true once you put on the anchors. Is getting that network put together of the people that you can trust. Um, you know, if if you remember, um, uh, I don't I don't remember what you called him, but we'll call him Foxtail because you'll know who I mean. <laughs> uh, if there's if there's something going down at my unit, and I don't want. I don't want people nearby who are senior to me knowing about it yet. And I have a question as to how to proceed. That's the guy that I call uh, because he, he gained my trust really quickly with how he performs his job and his specialty. He is fucking good at, he's, he's one of the best in that rate that I know. So he will be my first call. Um, And then there was another guy that we had uh, one of the previous uh, SKs. He's one of those guys that if I have a, an SK question, I don't think that I'm getting the, the right answers from my guys here. That's the guy that I call. Yeah, and I think that's it's critical when you're in positions of leadership to know who you can go to for those answers. That's why networking is such a big deal. Absolutely. You know, it's it's not a it's not how much you know; it's who you know, as they say. You know, yeah. I, I'm not a good chief. I just pretend real good because I know who to call when I pick up the phone. Yeah, it's, I mean, people are surprised when, like, I, first of all, I'm never in my office where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I'm either in birthing, eating some food somewhere, or I'm in the smoke pit. And, and Not necessarily when, in that order. <laughs> yeah, and then when people, when people come to me with a question and I don't have the answer, but I get it to them, like, by the close of business, like, they're super surprised. For sure. But, I feel like it's all in who, where, you know, knowing where to go to get that information. Absolutely. And so I, I'll give you this, you know, a little bit of my personal experience. Um, when I showed up to, to your unit, I was brand new to the anchors. Uh, I was brand new to that kind of unit. I had no idea what I was doing. Like think, think like non-rate level confidence with 18 years service in, you know, yeah, you show up to units like I, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? So it was a huge pile of of crap that I had to figure out with a very challenging CO, who, by the way, I respect greatly to this day. The first CO that I had when I got on board, um, very challenging dynamic because it was the first time in my career where I had worked in direct supervision of officers, uh, a whole new mission set. Uh, things that I'd never done before, a whole different job that my entire job description was completely different from anything I'd ever done up to that point. And as a chief, I was failing badly. Uh, my supervisor departed on leave and left me to like run the department. I had no idea how to run a depart this particular department on the ship. And over the course of a few uh, days, things started piling up. It was getting pretty bad. 
I was not I, I was not being proactive in trying to get things done. And it finally came to a point where the mess, you know, look at my socks and all the rest of them, you know, including including my my cohort on there pulled me aside and they're like, look, we're fucking frustrated with you right now because you are not doing your fucking job right now. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. You need to fucking take care of your people and you need to get your shit together and get out of whatever rut you're in right now and get it figured out. Okay, Roger that. I left work that day really fucking beat up, but I did a lot of soul searching and a lot of looking in the mirror. And what that did for me is, hey, asshole, you're a chief now. Take action. Don't just wait for shit to happen. Be the guy that gets up and take action. Now, if you think about, you know, look at my socks. What was the one thing that he always did? Took action. No matter what, he was taking action. So, you know, that that goes to the whole thing about who to call. Don't just sit there and try to, you know, wait for something to come to you. Go seek out that answer. Go figure it out. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of make a decision, even if it's the wrong decision. Because if you sit there on your hands, you know, bad shit can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. I mean, I make fucking wrong decisions every day. <laughs> so, you know, talking about, you know, you brought up initiated, not initiated. What did you think of CCTI? Was it was it worth your time? Is it an outdated tradition? Did you gain a lot from it? You know, just give us your general idea, like aspect of like what it meant to you to like go through it. So it it was important for me to go through it just because of the, the path that was laid out before me from, you know, one, you know, my family, my own family, uh, that have gone before me and, uh, friends that, that I knew who had, you know, made chief, whether it be in this service or others, um, it was important for me to go through so that I said that I did it and I was interested to see what the process would teach me. Now, I will not say that it is an outdated process. What I will say is it's very different today. From, <laughs> it's very different today from how it was, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago, for sure. Um, I would say the the people who have the most to gain from the initiation process are those who are either a in support rates where they don't have the opportunity to supervise very many people. And I'll give you an example when we get to talking about CPOA, cause I'm sure we'll hit that too. Uh, but the big thing is what we were just talking about. Go make it happen. That's the, that's the point of it is the time management, the, the absolute, just mountainside of information that gets dropped on you of everything that you have to do. Oh, and you still have responsibilities back at your unit that you have to stay in tabs with. So it was very important, I think, for the for the group to to figure out how to work all that stuff out in such a small amount of time. Because here in the Coast Guard, we do our initiation between you know six to eight, maybe nine weeks, depending on the size of your mess. And there's a lot of things that you need to do in that time. And a lot of that is networking and the whole team building and all these tasks that you have to accomplish so that you can be a successful group. So you went through that uh, as you like definitely a, learned. You went through that as like a group, like the, the group of chiefs was with you. You went through it together. It's like you guys were all trying to figure that out together, right? It, it kind of it kind of worked out in our favor because there were so many of us in our mess who were new and needed to go through it. Uh, but there were four additional chiefs at other units back at the house 
who were in it as well. And we started without each other. We were underway when we started the process, and those guys were back at the beach starting their process. So there was that extra thing thrown into it. We had to come together and figure it out like two weeks into the whole, into the whole deal. Damn. Well, so I remember, you know, back in the day, I had a pretty salty chief in my first unit. And, you know, he had told me about, like, you know, you go. there was a, a guy that made E7 and refused to go to the Chiefs Academy and do the initiation. And my chief was like, you call him E7. And I was like, first of all, I'm 18. That's not going to happen. I'm an E3. Not going to happen. <laughs> and he would be like, you know, he, you know, I was like, what do you mean by initiate? He's like, well, it's a bunch of secret squirrel. He, he pretty much described CCTI as, like, the Illuminati or, like, National Treasure, like, you know, Book of Secrets kind of thing. Was, was there, like, a... You know, I know you guys keep it like hush hush. You're not allowed to like show anybody your like your 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 CCTI books and stuff like that. that you guys make is I'm not asking you to tell me what they are, but is there like a big like haha secret time? You know, when you're going through it, there uh, it, it's it's kind of like Freemasonry. It, we're not a secret society, but we're a society of secrets. <laughs> um, okay, there's there's a lot of stuff that's kept hush hush so as to not spoil the process for those who are coming up behind us uh, because there is a lot to be gained in the the surprise this is what's expected of you uh, and I will correct you on one thing uh, you can you can look at my book all you want there's nothing in there that's like secret or to be kept away from you what is in there is a lot of very personal messages from other chiefs uh, and family members to me you t- you're talking about your charge book yes Interesting. Is that for all chiefs or just like for me and you? No, that's for all okay. chiefs. Uh, so if you if you go into like, for example, I'm Shoreside now, so I have my own office because I'm really cool like that and really privileged now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for for most people who are in my position, our hat box and our charge book is on display prominently in our office because one, we're proud of the work that we put into it, but two. The charge book in particular is really good. Every once in a while, you know, when when it's getting a little much, you close that door and you open that book and you start sifting through those messages that you got from other people. And some of it is advice. Some of it is personal. Hey, you know, congratulations. Knew you'd make it there and that sort of thing. And some of it can be very sobering reminders of some uh, some struggles that you went through with someone from your past. And it's a very good thing to review every once in a while. That's something really cool that I didn't realize that you guys actually use it. Like, you know, whenever I'm doing something like a PQS or I'm putting this together and putting that together like a for an inspection binder, I put it together, it happens, and then I throw it in a fucking trash or I put it somewhere and I don't ever use it. You're like, yep, <laughs> did my CCTI, went to CPOA, I'm, I'm done. Leave me alone. I didn't realize that it was, you know, something that you could reference, you know, at a later period. Definitely. And there, there's some, so that was one of the pieces of advice that I got from a good friend of mine who you and I are mutual friends with, actually. Um, he told me when this is over, get rid of all the stuff out of that book that doesn't mean anything to you and hold on to it because it's going to be a memento in the future for your kids to look at and possibly their kids to look at. And if God forbid, any of them want to follow in your footsteps, it gives them something to look at and, and to appreciate the tradition. That's actually really cool. I had I had no idea that that was a thing. And, you know, obviously I'm not a chief, but still that's, 
I, I'm surprised. I guess I'm just going to say I'm surprised. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, no, sometimes it's good to be able to take a step back and and just remember all the struggles you had getting to where you are. Absolutely. And, and in fact, uh, one, uh, two of the charge sheets that I have came from my first OIC and my first XPO, who I was still able to maintain contact with. And the messages that I received from those two uh, were, were probably some of the most meaningful out of the entire book. Um, so, All right, what's next on your sheet? Um, CPOA. Uh, from what I know of CPOA, it's some sort of cult or clique. You guys sell tacos and wash cars for money. And that's about the extent of the CPOA for me. <laughs> okay, so when you, when you say CPOA, that means two different things. That means either the Chief Petty Officers Association or the Chief Petty Officers Academy. Which one would you like to tackle first? Okay, so when I, when I wrote it... I think he's talking about the Academy. Yeah, when, yeah. when I wrote it down, I wrote, I wrote it down as Academy because I went CCTI and then CPOA. Yeah. But then when I said it out loud out of my mouth, I meant – I insinuated the association. So <laughs> Academy. I meant the Academy. Yeah. Well. Well, I can answer the question on the association real quick. On everything that you just said, those are guys going through CCTI, raising money for the CPOA, so that the CPOA can can put together things to support everyone else and scholarship fund and whatever community outreach that we have uh, that that we have going on. So that money does get used, and it's not it's not one of those selfish things where we're like, hey, we raised. $5,000 on this CCTI, let's go buy ourselves a big screen TV. That's not how it works. That $5,000 will be turned around and either put into the scholarship fund, put into uh, different things that are going on morale-wise at the unit, or pay it forward to the next uh, CCTI group by you know paying for the, the golf tournament in advance or the, the dinner in advance, things like that. Uh, so for the academy... I was one of those who was hesitant to go because I was afraid that it was going to be another babysitting class. You know, this, this, when I went through, it was four weeks. So this four week, this is, this is how to babysit everyone who's at your unit. I was grossly mistaken and pleasantly surprised that that wasn't the case. Uh, to summarize CPOA, it's a four-week journey into who you are as a leader. Uh, you have these different personality tests that you take. You have this, uh, this survey that you send out to people you have worked with, whether they be peers, supervisors, subordinates, and you ask for anonymous and very honest feedback. And I can tell you, one of the chiefs in my class... I knew it was going to be brutal for this person because I had worked with this person before and I knew what my peers at the time who were all first classes had been saying about this uh, individual. And when they got their results, they were one of the ones that had to go off into a room by themselves, close, close the door and have a good cry and do a lot of self-reflection as to what kind of leader they had been up to that point. I assume that CPOA so is like... So I've gotten some of those surveys. Goddamn lag. Oh no, the lag's yeah. back. <laughs> I assume CPOA is like um, any other course. You're going to get out of it, you know, what you put into it. And the reason I ask that is because, you know, you just made a very valid point for CPOA. We have a chief at our unit now 
that has gone in the last year, and he left as a dickhead, and he came back as a dickhead, and saw no change whatsoever, <laughs> and I'm honestly surprised he even came back with, like, I don't, I don't assume it's pass-fail, you know, but he seemed like everything was hunky-dory and still had the same attitude, the same, you know, mannerisms, still talked the same way, still carried himself the same way, you know, like, he was yelling at one of his guys, or he was talking to his first class, and, you know, talking about one of their thirds, and he's like, you know, you can read right into page seven, or we can give him a 49.10, and I happened to overhear the conversation, and I went up and I said, hey, don't mean to interrupt, Chief, but I was OD yesterday, and the reason he did that is because I told him to do this as the OD, and then this happened, and then this happened. He's like, well, he should have told me anyway, or you should have told me. I go, I'm the OD, I don't have to report to you. I report to... My boss and the captain, you're not in that chain of command. Sorry. I just didn't want your third to get in trouble for something I had control over. And then he just got all, and he, I was like, okay, this is going nowhere, so I left. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, CPOA is not there to fix those problems. Those are leadership failures that should have been fixed long before then, and CPOA is not going to fix that for you. Uh, there's nothing there except maybe in that, in that feedback survey uh, that might change someone's aspect on that. And so speaking of those surveys, mm-hmm. so I have gotten some of them in the past, and I was brutally honest with everyone I did. Are they actually anonymous? Yeah, they are 100% anonymous because the, the only, the only uh, feedback that we get that tells us where it came from, well, actually, it's, it's more anonymous than that because we get, we get this chart, right, that basically says, you know, uh, in this subject, you were seen as favorable, uh, you know, in this group. You were seen as unfavorable in this group. Now, when it gets down to the comments, there is no identifier associated with those comments at all because there, there's three categories of people. It's your uh, supervisors, peers, and subordinates. So you see that broke down in the, uh, in the charts, but when it comes to the comments, none of that is there. It's just like a blank white sheet of paper with comments written on it, and it doesn't identify where it came from. What I will say is that for those who are asked to fill out those surveys, if you want to truly remain anonymous, make sure that you type in such a way that it doesn't identify you, (laughs) i.e., I had a subordinate who liked to use all caps. Guess what? He used all caps when he wrote his feedback to me, <laughs> so I knew where it came from. <laughs> so, like you just you took your service wide today, right? I did. So, Who, both of you, me? right? Both of us. Yeah, yeah. So, you've been through it, and you hopefully are going to make chief off this next cut. Does does it sound like something you want to do and participate in? Participate what in like yeah the cat, like yeah the... no I I, I definitely you want do to. I don't feel like you've yeah I don't feel like you made it as an enlisted member until you wear the anchor no I'm not saying like I'm not saying be a chief I'm saying you know like it's not required is it it's, is it required to be go to CPOA now or is it CCTI that's the one that's to awesome? be eligible for E8 yes. So if if, I, if you don't want to be CCTI eight. is optional. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, now they frock you and send you to the academy anyways. So you don't really have that much say in it, I don't feel like, unless there's like deployment limitations or something. 
Yeah, they uh, they kicked my orders back several months because I had pipeline training that I had to go to, and pipeline training trumps the uh, the academy. So it took me a while. Like I, I was already at the ship for three or four months, I think, before I finally got orders to the academy. Uh, yeah, but no, it's it's something I want to do. Yeah. All right. So, what's it like being a chief on land versus being a chief on a ship? Let me come back to that because I, I I want I want to touch on this for a disgruntled sailor because I think it's important when you ask him the question about, you know, do you want to go through the process? I touched on it a little while ago. One of the folks in my group was an MST chief. She had, I think she was at 16 years service at that point, maybe 18. Anyway, she'd been in a long time. The first time she ever supervised another individual in her entire career was when she was a chief. Really? She, she had never supervised anybody in her entire career up to that point. So we get to CPOA and we're presented with these scenarios. All right, you know, get with your group and decide how you're going to deal with this scenario. And it's a leadership challenge every time. Okay, this is the scenario that we've got. These are the elements. This is this is the history of the person. This is what the effect is on the command. How are we going to do it? And she was lost. She's like, I, I don't know how to deal with this. And, you know, for for some of us who are in what what I'll call operational rates, and I don't mean, you know, I don't mean that uh, despairing. I do. Uh, you know, those of us who do shit. <laughs> um, you know, some of us have been in positions where we were making command decisions as E4s and E5s, you know, dealing with, you know, a non-rate that doesn't want to get qualified. You know, that's stuff that we were doing in our first enlistment. So to have someone who is a chief who's like eyeball in retirement already, who has never had that opportunity, it was mind-blowing to me. Um, so with, with that, I think the CPOA is very, very important for those who haven't had the opportunity to lead personnel or haven't had the opportunity to deal with serious leadership challenges. The CPOA and CCTI, the two of those processes combined, are what kind of give you the introduction as to like how the chief's mess as a whole works and how you work together to solve those issues so that when you have one of these one of these issues like um i don't remember what you called him but he was he was our guy who had many visits to our mess and when he started i thought he was going to be out quick because i thought we were going to wind up kicking him out and now he is uh he's been to a school he's a petty officer now and he's doing great things at the unit he's been assigned to and it's because of that cohesion of the chief's mess you bring that guy in i have my personality how i look at things the the other one of my rate had a whole different way of looking at things the you know uh goddammit chief had a whole different way of looking at things and and all of us combined could come to a consensus hey this is this is how we're going to attack this and this is how we're going to help this kid so that he can be successful yeah that that also like uh kind of plays off my point i made during the the our last episode uh that you need a chief's mess that isn't like-minded you need you know a, a diverse group of people in there yeah definitely and and our group we had you know check out my socks who was you know real in your face real direct uh, then you had the, the other one of my rate who we have yet to give a name and we need to, uh, he, he, he was, 
he wasn't angry all the time, but he definitely had the the resting asshole face. Yeah. Um, and then I was very analytical and very quiet in in those sessions. Like if we had a a, um, a chief's council, I was always real quiet and just kind of like taking it all in and taking notes. And then you had another guy who was joking all the time. And then you have goddamn it, chief, who is he's kind of a jokester but he's also quiet when it comes to those moments because he's i'm looking at like how to solve the problem he's looking at okay what's the effect on the member going to be what what's going to happen to their personality so you put all that together we kick the kid out it's like all right what are we going to do with this and we start tossing across the table how it's going to work and we come to a plan and we've saved hell we've saved four or five careers off that ship just because of how our approach was because of how we looked at things differently are you talking about the guy that went it or are you talking about the guy that i was a mass rep for not not the guy mass rep um the guy the the guy who went it that was my first one and and that was one where it was kind of everybody who worked around him was expecting that he was going to come in and get his ass chewed and when he walked out it was like it was this huge weight lifted off his shoulder because we had a way forward for him to look forward to. And now he's incredibly successful. No, I'm thinking of, um, I, I don't know, Mr. Social media because he was on his phone all the time. Um, you're gonna have to be less vague. <laughs> yeah, no, no, here. I want to, I want to do it to you this way. Um, we got, we got this nice little chat function so that we can keep his, uh, his anonymity there oh we have a chat function so oh, yeah yeah okay yeah hold, okay, hold on my computer's yeah, taking a second yeah okay uh <laughs> it's uh it's varsity varsity that's right we did give him a name i forgot oh yeah varsity ah uh, okay now oh. i remember okay Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that one. I'll give yeah. you that one. So, all right. I didn't know he went IT. No, no, no. No, no, no. He the, it was a guy before that. It was before you got there. Was, oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. There's there was a whole different a whole different one long before you got there. Yeah. Okay. That's one thing I don't see too much of anymore though are like chief councils. Yeah. Uh on the ship we did them pretty frequently uh because one it's a captive audience. Um two it when you're when you're sailing there's only so many tools that you have at your disposal. And the chief's council is a very, very powerful tool because it gives you the option to, you know, Hey, asshole, you better wise up or, you know, this is going to be a fast train to out the door. You know, do you really want to be here? And it gives us the opportunity as our, you know, collective mess to try to come up with a way forward to help that member succeed. Um, uh, you were you were going to ask something else. Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember what it was. Now you were going off. So uh, the difference between being a chief on land versus on a ship, um, it's obviously got to be better on land because ships suck. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't think so. I would think you would have more camaraderie, more of a brotherhood on board a ship because you're living together, you're close knit. You see each other every day on the regular. As soon as Absolutely. I said that, I so regretted it. it <laughs> in my current job, I have daily dealings with one other chief, and that's it. Now, you know, there are several others that I have routine contact with, but, like, in my work group, it's only one other chief, uh, and he's my supervisor. So, you know, there's – while – 
there's still that you know that chief brotherhood if you will i i, I mean i'm his subordinate so yeah. you know i have to act accordingly to a certain extent uh, being on a ship where the five or six or you know depending on the size of the ship you're on 20 30 uh are locked together and you're living together uh the meaning of the chief's mess and how the mess is supposed to work is much more real uh it's much more attainable than it is when you have you know 200 chiefs scattered across 15 different commands uh that that you don't see on a routine basis now that's not to say that i can't pick up the phone and call across the base to somebody else you know hey daryl i need this this thing oh yeah no problem brother i got you that that still happens but it's nothing like it is underway now i will say there are some messes out there especially the afloat ones where you know you're talking about those who aren't initiated and how they're treated differently uh there's actually check out my socks will tell you all about it when he first put on anchors the unit that he was at they put him in a little you know five gallon bucket in the chief's mess and you know that's your seat you can sit over there e7 and they treated him like dog shit until he went through initiation. Damn. <laughs> and there was one particular in, in our mess that wanted to do that to the four or five, five of us who hadn't been through yet. I feel like as small as our ship is, though, uh, when I mean, like, I go in the chief's mess a lot. And I feel like that you can't hide that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And. Yeah, uh, I I don't know that I want to go down this rabbit hole, but if you have if you have a chief in your mess who's fucking up, it is definitely known to. <laughs> if you see a chief who's sitting out on the mess deck and he's not really trying to integrate and talk to other crew members, there's probably a reason for that. We'll just put Weird. it that way. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. Now, I can't say that we ever did that when when I was on board. We definitely had one who like if he got to his if he got to his limit on the amount of bullshit that he could tolerate. That was like his his way of like letting off the steam. He's like, I don't want to be around you fuckers. I want to go off and be by myself. And he would go out there and, you know, eat on the fantail. He wouldn't hang out with us. We wouldn't see him for like three days unless he was walking through to go to the rack. But that was his way to blow off steam. So when we knew it got to that point, it was like, all right, you know, leave him alone. He's, you know, he's at he's at his limit. He needs to fucking blow off some steam. And then after a couple of days, everything would be right back to normal. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Do you see, do you, like, so whatever you read about leadership or chiefs or deck plate leadership or the Master Chief Petty Officer Coast Guard, anyone that's, you know, a senior leadership position, it's always making an impact or, you know, making changes or doing this it it always comes down to making an impact do you do you feel like as a chief and you know your job on the ship with us and you know where you're at now and it, you're you know obviously at a senior leadership position are you seeing the quote impact that a chief gives to the you know his enlisted subordinates and you know his the coast guard as a whole yeah for sure um and I, I really didn't I didn't expect it when it happened. Uh, you know, three years trudging away on the ship with you guys, uh, just trying to do the best I can to make sure that everybody's getting taken care of. And 
you know, you, you get you get kind of a feeling that, you know, you're respected and that people look up to you. But, you know, you, you're never you're never sure, you know, uh, you know, because it's uh, my cohort constantly use the term about the us versus them. You know, when you go into the chief's mess, now you're you're them. You guys are us. I'm them. It, us versus them. Right. So you never know if you're crossing that line. You never know if you're making that impact. But I can tell you that after leaving, when you know, Black Enough sends me a text message out of the blue and says, hey, man, I just wanted to say you were one of the good ones and I appreciated working with you because it's not so great for me right now. Wow, okay, that's pretty powerful. When someone who we worked with before gets himself into a little bit of trouble and the first office door he's knocking on is mine, that's pretty powerful. Uh, You know, I, I still get those those messages, those texts, those calls from people going all the way, even before I put the anchors on, but definitely more so from that unit as a chief. That's really cool to see. Like, you know, that was one of the only, that's one of the only things like that still is in the back of my mind. Like maybe I should go, you know, take the, take the service wide, you know, is that, you know, uh, having that when people look up to you and look at you as, you know, this guy will know, this guy will help me or, you know, making that impact on people like like that's why i like always had my tried to have my hand in everything in the ship because i always wanted that like he knows what's going on let's go ask him and it kind of petered out for me on the ship and i I don't know maybe that's one of the reasons i got discouraged you know one of the small pieces of reasons i got discouraged so like but it's, it's good to hear that you know the people that you know i personally look up to are in fact making an impact and it's not just me you know my opinion doesn't carry a lot of weight so if I think you're a good guy, that doesn't really mean a lot. <laughs> when other people are telling you, then you know it's kind of reassuring. Um, yeah, definitely. And and to be fair, three years on that can is a lot. Uh, you know, yeah, I know. now now I understand why officers only have to do it for two. Yeah, they, they can't uh, handle it because I think our suicide rates would go quite high. Yeah. Um, no, three years is a lot. And honestly, if if I was at twenty years during that third year. I would probably be retired now because I was just at my end. I was burned out the, and I told, I, I think I told both of you one time or another that the only thing that was keeping me coming to work was working with and for you guys, everything else I was so burned out on. Uh, and now that I'm doing this job, it's, you know, it's kind of a breath of fresh air and now it's uh, now it's not so bad. So yeah. I would say like the biggest, the biggest downside to either of you, taking that step is what's your next assignment going to be? Because that's how I wound up on the ship was I got short toured out of a really nice job that I had because I made chief out of cycle and essentially got the leftover list. And that boat was on the leftover list. And it was my number one pick of a shit list. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a, everybody gets burnt out when you're stuck at a unit for, you know, a full tour, especially one that deploys every few months. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> so I had someone, you know, text me that listens and said that they need, they wanted to see uh, a change slash a restructuring of sou- of how someone actually becomes a chief. Uh, like it just seems like it's very, you know, okay, you, you pass the test, you know, you're above the cut. Now just do this, this, and this, and this, and now you're a chief. Um, and they were suggesting some sort of more in-depth, are you ready to be a chief 
Because right now, to be a chief, all you have to do is, you know, rank high enough on the test. You have to have good marks, award points, and have a knowledge base to be a chief. And I mean, I kind of agree with them. I think there should be some something more, maybe one more step, maybe one more thing you have to do before you can go, okay, you can be a chief. So one of the things that that we do as chiefs with our marks is they actually have to go through our our command chief or our gold badge. So in the case of where I'm at, uh, my marks have to go through the sector gold badge uh, because there is a mark that we get judged on called uh, uh, mess involvement, mess activity, something like that. Anyway, what you're doing as a chief and it's completely separate from everything else. And you're judged on that. And now that E9 is a board action as opposed to a service-wide, and E8 is allegedly going to that here very soon, that's how the advancement from E7 on up is going to go. Now, two captains ago on your boat, when we were getting ready to do our first set of marks for the E6s, he came into the mess and he said, look, your E6s are chiefs in training. Do not allow them to advance if you're not ready to have them sit in this mess with you and be a chief. And that was probably the best piece of advice I'd ever heard about writing marks for a first class because that is it's very powerful. When when you put on the anchors, it's very, very powerful. Now, we can all think back to when we first started putting on rank. Uh, actually, uh, uh, from my experience, when I put on first class, I, I was standing duty at a station as a second class. I put on first class, and the next day, all the other BM2s treated me different. Hey, it's Saturday. Ah, shit, I got to get up to go do this patrol. No, you don't. You're first class. You can fucking sit in that chair if you want to. We got it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. Make chief. The whole world changes around you, and everybody looks at you different. And if you're not ready to represent the mess well, then you shouldn't be putting on the anchor. And I think that there needs to be... I think that there needs to be a, a oversight from the chief. You know, you guys both have chiefs that you report to. They should be making that decision on your marks as to whether or not you're ready to come into the mess. And that's where it should land. Well, like my quote chief has only been a chief like, you know, six months longer than me. So what gives who hasn't got, you know, yeah. what gives him the ability to say whether I'm ready to be a chief or not? You know, I hold more qualifications than him. I got more seat time than him. I'm qualified on more standard platforms than him, you know, and just because he happened to take this test at this rate and make it, and I chose, I did not, or, you know, didn't pay, make it, or didn't make the cut, or didn't take it, or whatever, you know, that, I, I know the captain you're talking about, it's the captain that will, like, crawl up the back ladder in the middle of the night to see if you're paying attention, you know, I like that That's he said that, but like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I like that he said that, but I know not everyone says that. And he's, he has to be the minority in saying, are you ready for these E6s to be with you in the mess? Because a lot of people will just see marks as, ugh, I got to do marks again. It's that time again. You know, you know, just, I'll just give them, you know, fives and sixes and just move them on down the line. And it's going to be the next guy's problem. So like it, that, that works great. in you know, if that, if that was the case everywhere. The problem is, like, especially for, like... Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. Yeah, but so... I think it's a fallacy of our entire EES system, the entire marking system. Uh, the, the way that we do it is very... You know, it's on paper, and it's test-based. So the, the way that you advance is that you test well. Uh, 
I mean, honestly, that's that's how I made Chief. I scored really well on the service wide, and I had enough dinosaur points to put me over the to put me over the line. There was nothing really, uh, you know, that I was doing leadership wise that, in my opinion, in my self reflection, that screamed, "Yeah, this guy's ready to be a chief." I had a lot to learn, uh, but I think that's just the fallacy of the entire system. And unless we do something like how the army does that's not going to change and i don't really like the army's program either because they get way in the weeds on a lot of stuff that does not matter i'm not saying that like you know you should be like i'm not saying you should jump like once you put on the anchor you are a chief you're qualified you're knowledgeable you know what you're doing you're a chief i think it's ready to be a chief like like you said you know you tested high made you know got your anchors and then for the first couple months you know you were kind of like shit what do i do you know but you, you have the mental aptitude to go, you know, go to the other chiefs, recognize the issues, and then obviously, you know, became an extremely well performer on the ship. Now, you know, being in, you know, uh, the command position that you're at now, you know, I think there's a difference between being ready to be a chief and, you know, I don't know how to say that without sounding like an asshole, but there's ready to be a chief and like... <laughs> Never stopped you before. I know, but, you know, like, like okay, you... <laughs> <laughs> you were ready to be a chief because you were re- you were willing to take take on you know learning experiences, learn from your mistakes, and then you know build yourself up. Whereas other people who are quote ready to be a chief who made a, a good test score and had good marks have are you know they couldn't lead my dick into a top hat you know. So I guess that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you, uh, and I think I, I think that the only way to cure that is. From a peer perspective, okay, if as a chief, if I see another chief fucking up, like, let's say, for example, I'm at my unit and a visiting chief walks up and his uniform just looks like absolute ass. Hey, come here. We need to talk. Close the door. The fuck is going on, man? You look like hammered dog shit. I got non-rates and, and third classes out here that are aspiring to be chiefs and they see you and you look like you just fucking crawled out of bed in that uniform. What's up? And you and you hold each other accountable. That's what my guys did to me when I was failing. Uh, the the person that I work with now, he he had that same conversation given to him when he was a, a new chief many years ago. It's it's a you have to be willing to hold your peers accountable, and that goes across all pay grades, even more so for us because we should be held to that higher standard. That's an amazing point, and that's pretty much the reason why we asked you to be on here because you know you're articulate and you're going to, you know, give us these answers. Um, so like, how do you, that, that's a really nice way of saying I talk a lot. <laughs> well, I talk a lot, but I don't ever say anything, you know, uh, how do you, you know, with that being said, how do you, you know, so obviously E6, how do I go about addressing these, you know, other chiefs that are, you know, inept, they don't know what they're doing, not qualified and are, dickheads and you know it's just they 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 have that i'm a chief you're not and that's what i'm running into a lot right now you know so it's that's that's my big headache right now yeah that that's unfortunate and for for your position in particular it's very difficult we we had a similar situation with one of our visiting jos uh years ago um we we called him Squirrel because he 
we didn't see him for like the first two weeks we were underway. We didn't even know he was with us. And then one day he just popped up. And he had this, a similar situation, but in his case, it was you know the JO to chief relationship, and he was at a loss because he had a he had a dickhead for a chief, and he didn't know how to approach it. So we gave him some advice, but it's a whole lot easier for him to make those changes because he's technically a higher rank and he has a lot more power. Um, for someone in your position where you're in a subordinate spot, uh, you have to lean heavy on whoever your chief of the mess is, which I think in your case is probably the same person that's the command chief. Um, And if he's not willing to do something and it's really bad, that's where you start looking at their supervisors or start talking to other chiefs that are outside the unit. You have, I can think off the top of my head right now, 20 chiefs in your immediate area, uh, two who I could pick up the phone right now and have things happen. Uh, who you might need to reach out to if it's really bad. Like if you're talking about people, you know, not getting their their marks that they're supposed to be getting, people's not getting the quals they're supposed to be getting, that sort of thing, definitely start looking at talking to other people outside the unit and try to bring in some help. That's that's a really good idea. And if I didn't have 20 days left, I would totally do that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, for sure. I know like you said the JO to chief thing, you know, I don't really respect JOs until they, you know, show me that I can respect them or have a need to. But I feel like as a seasoned E6, senior OOD, you know, senior qualified guy for LE, senior qualified this, you know, when I say, hey, Chief, I don't really, I don't think that's a good idea. And they go, I don't give a fuck. And I go, roger that, man. You know, so like I felt like my word carried a little bit. And it totally does not anymore. You know, like I know if I walked into the Chief's mess where you were here and I said, you know, whether no matter who it was, I would say, "Hey, I'm having an issue," and they would listen because they know if I was in, the, I was in there, you know, I was in there for a reason. And now I don't even, I don't even waste my time in there anymore. I don't even go in the chief's mess. I haven't been in the chief's mess in yeah, months. And, and the difference I think between the folks that you have there now and me is, I I know you well enough to know where you're coming from and how your thought process works. And I know, you know, how you're delivering the message, you know, you, you have a tendency to complain a lot, but it's normally just open (laughs) speaking. Like I could tell the difference between you just, you know, (laughs) running off and when you're really having a problem with something. Uh, So, you know, I learned when I needed to, when I needed to perk up, when you were complaining and when I just needed to like, let you roll. <laughs> so that might be the difference there. You know, they, they don't know how to deal with you maybe, but, uh, which is, uh, but, you know, I brought yeah, that up in the, I brought that up it, in the last episode, here. you know, uh, where, you know, I use you a lot as a sounding board, you know, because, you know, I could just go in there and start fucking ranting and raving and you were able to tell, okay, he's just, he's wound up because one of the JOs got him wound up. Go ahead, let him get it out. He'll be out in a couple minutes versus, you know, when I needed to be, quote, control, not controlled, but like, hey, we're, it's happening, so let me explain it to you in a way that makes you happy with it. And that's why I like using you as a soundboard because, <laughs> you know, I would go in there all wound up and then you would kind of help me steer my own conversation into making myself, you know, you know uh, accept that it was kind of my idea that I decided this was going to happen. And, and that's what I, you know, I got, I got used to that. And then, you know, I always had that. I could be there and be like, this is fucking stupid. And I'm angry. And you're like, well, why are you angry? And why is it stupid? And I go, well, it's stupid because I'm going to have to do work. And then, like, you know, it, the conversation would just progress. 
and now I just I just go in there and I go, hey, I'm having an issue, or I need I need a chief, and they just look at me like, well, sorry, none of us are your rate, or I have I have medical at nine, so or you know it just I'm getting nothing, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I can only think of one time where. I thought you and I were going to have a problem. Really? Um, and, and I, <laughs> yeah, o- only one time I can remember that, that I went looking for you thinking that we were going to have a fight. Uh, and uh, it, it was one of those where I had to be real delicate because on one hand, I completely understood what your perspective was going to be even before I talked to you. Cause I knew what you were going to say. Uh, but at the same time, there was something else that was bigger and more important and I was going to have to give you the news that it was going to be a decision that you weren't going to be real happy with. So I got over to your birthing and you're looking at me and I can see it in your face. You knew it was coming. And I said, uh, what I say? Are we going to have a problem? Was was what I asked you. And you oh, kind of I, I was there for that. Yeah, you, I remember you were there. <laughs> like I, I said, and I just sat on the ladder while I said, are we going to have a problem? You're like, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I said, look, here's the situation. Here's what I have. Here's what's coming up. Here's what what we've done over the course of the day. Here are my options. Which one do you think it works better? Okay, you're right. (laughs) I don't remember that. But I don't want to. You're like, well, yeah, I'm sorry. What was this? I remember. What was it? I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember being there. I had to move the watch schedule around because you and uh, one of the other guys in my division were, were equally bagged for what you guys had been doing all day and because of future ops that we had coming i had to put you on watch and take that guy off of watch to preserve him for a future op that you didn't know about yet okay now i remember oh yeah now i remember that's right okay yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> and you were not happy with that because you had been underway all day and then i had to put you up on watch yeah so like that that's the other thing like you know that you would do you you know hey i'm gonna i'm gonna front load you with a shitty situation and here's what we're going to do because of this, you know, on the, the person that's in charge of the watch schedule now does not do that at all. There's no communication. There's no, yeah, you know, there's no, we're doing this because of this. It's just, you know, like, so if you, if you, if I have the four to eights in the morning on a Monday, we pull into poor call on a Monday, what do you do with the watch schedule? Do you stop it or do you continue the watch schedule? I usually continue it because I never count on the port call actually happening. So, like, I guess my question was, like, so I had, like, four to eights on the day we pulled in, and then it should have – Yeah. It, it, just the way the watch schedule fell, fell I had do, I had watch as soon as we fucking got underway, and it was just, like, it always seemed to be, like, me. And then, like, the, the chief that's running it really couldn't explain it to me. He's just kind of like, you know, well, shit, man, like, fucking deal with it. You know, and that that's my problem. At least you. Yeah, I got you. No, I when when it came to actual port calls, like once the port call actually happened, like I always had two plans when when we were coming into port. The one plan, if you know, the fucking anchor swivel broke and the captain decided that he didn't want to go into a deep water port without an anchor, oh, I so that we had to keep the watch schedule going. <laughs> or oh yeah, I was talking yeah. Um, and then the other is, okay, if we actually make port, how am I going to do it? And because the bridge team 
with special CD tail, everybody that has a bridge watch has to be up there for the most part. I would try to work it so that the people who were going to be up there for that transit, that was going to be their watch. And I would move it around as best I could so that, you know, nobody would be getting screwed with, you know, six or eight hours of watch on a day that you get underway. That's not how they do it now. Now it's, you know, SK1, you're up. You you have plot. Good luck, buddy. You know, uh, GM1, you have Navivel. Good luck, buddy, because you're on watch. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Who it was? No oh, my, oh, yeah. It's like, okay, who's got four to eights? Oh, let's see. Oh, okay, GM3 has it or ME3 has it. Good luck, everybody. And that's just how it is now. So, Wow. Anyway. Oh, I can't wait till they till y'all go to Tista. Oh. I won't be yeah, there. I won't be there, so I don't give a fuck. Um, so yeah. besides the paycheck, what's the best thing about being a chief? I, we touched on it a little while ago. I think it's the the uh, potential for impact. Uh, so in the position that I'm in now, uh, all through my career, if someone came to me and said, hey, I've got this problem, my answer was always, okay, let's go talk to Chief and let's get this figured out. I was always taking the people to the Chief to get stuff done. Now, You're I'm the, the Chief. I'm the guy. So when someone knocks on my door and says, Hey chief, I I've got this problem. I've got this issue, whatever it is. I'm the one that gets to help them with that. Um, you know, and it, even in the short time that I've been doing this job, it's been all across the board, the, the different things that, that I've dealt with. And it's, it's so rewarding to me personally, when someone comes in and says, I have this problem. Cool. Here's how I can help you with that. And I can, and we can get you to a solution and fix this problem and move forward, or at least improve the situation overall. Yeah. I like, I enjoy doing that stuff now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was for the last several years. And one of the reasons that I went to the ship was to get the one year of sea time that's required to be eligible for warrant. If, if I want to go bosun. So up until about two months ago, I was kind of tracking that direction. Yeah. I want to go bosun. I want to go warrant. Um, I had a conversation with the gold badge here and he was taught, he's a master chief, been in for 28 years, something like that. Uh, aviator. And he says, you know, I, uh, I wanted to go warrant as I was coming up, but then when, when the time came, I decided that I wanted to work for and with people more than I wanted to go do the kind of jobs that were going to be available to me as a warrant. So I stayed on the chief realm and now I'm a master chief. And that was like a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, you know, I really don't want to go to a wardroom because I know what's waiting for me there. When I have the opportunity to continue doing what I'm doing now, and then hopefully one of these days put on two stars and put on a badge and then be able to do that at a much larger uh, scale. You know, I've always wondered why some people would go, you know, not go warrant when, number one, you get a fucking sword. Number two, the pay's better. (laughs) I just, I never understood why someone would not go warrant. And that's, that's probably the most valid reason I've ever heard for going Master Chief other than because I fucking want to be a Master Chief, you know, so it's a real, you know, like I said in the last episode, the last Chief episode where I don't think the current coast guard command climate of chiefs is conducive for us it's good and it's refreshing to hear that there are still chiefs out there that are still going my end goal after i do 
my command and I do this and I do you know my rate specific things that I want to do. I still want to do the senior chief and master chief gold badge silver badge kind of things and you know continue to make and help the coast guard as a whole. So thank you and it's very very refreshing. Of course, yeah, yeah it, it, and it, it was it was a long time coming to make that decision. Uh, it, it goes all the way back to when I was a first class. Uh, the first opportunity that I really had to to help someone, I was like, you know what, Th- this is where I'm at now. I'm at the point in my career where I'm I shouldn't be the one doing the operating. I need to make sure that the operators are taken care of, and and that's I feel very very passionate about that job right now. So speaking of the wardroom. One of my favorite memories of the previous Chiefs mess on the ship was when Mr. Look at My Socks made warrant and you guys took all of his shit and put it in the wardroom. He was not happy. He, oh, he, I know. He, he came in. He's like, oh, come on, fellas. Are you really going to do this to me? Like, yeah, get your shit and leave. And it was like every day, like you would take his hat and put it in the wardroom or his coffee mug. Ah, uh, yeah, black-hearted turncoats, we call them in the church. <laughs> black-hearted turncoats. <laughs> um, well, that's really all I had for the chief side. Uh, did you want to go over some of the admin side stuff we got to take care of? Yes, me? you motherfucker. It ain't me. <laughs> this is your show, guys. <laughs> yeah, you got to remind me. I, I forgot already. Okay, so uh, the first thing I have written down is the challenge coins that we're doing. Well, they're not really challenge coins. Uh, is it a circle uh, and it doesn't have some all, shit on it? Yeah, but uh, uh, so people have been asking for, you know, when are we doing this or when are we doing that? And like, we're not made of money. Yeah, <laughs> we're stupid uh, for poor. Two, uh, so we we decided <laughs> we decided to do a poker chip instead of a challenge coin. Because uh, they're like, stupid one, fucking it's, cheap. Uh, it's way cheaper to produce. Yeah, and we can... Our whole point is to try to sell you guys stuff um, at a reasonable price. Like, we don't want to have to sell you a challenge coin that's $20 fucking dollars. We're not here so, to make money. We're here uh, to make you laugh. Those should be here. I th- yeah, I think those should be here next week, hopefully, if everything goes well. So I think my daughter uh, has discovered the- that it, while I'm doing an episode, she can ask me for whatever, and I'll just give her a fucking thumbs up because she knows I'm busy. She just showed me a bag of marshmallows. And was like, you know, she just like, give me the, can I have this face? And I just gave her a thumbs up. And now she has a giant bag of fucking marshmallows. She's on to me. Not too many marshmallows. <laughs> um, so the challenge coins is going to ha- Mrs. Miami is going to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the poker chips are coming. Uh, what design did you put um, on them? What else? Oh, the... I put, um, so if you have seen the t-shirts that we just put out today, uh, how it has uh, the scumbag logo on the front, I put that on one side, and then on the back side I put the podcast logo. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the, for the uh, poker chips. A lot, of, a lot of places down south, uh, like I know when I was in Texas and Louisiana, you know, instead of handing out challenge coins, they do you know, poker chips, so it'll be cheap for us. Cheap for you guys, you know, something cool to hang on your wall. Um, the next, like you said, we dropped new shirts today. 
Yeah, uh, I've already sold two of them, and they haven't even been posted but like an hour. So that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, we kind of alluded the last time, like, uh, you know, you remember back in the day you had the, you know, it just said U.S. Coast Guard law enforcement, and it was blue, navy blue, and it was yellow. And, you know, I had said something about, you know, me and you were talking, I was like, Liberty Hounds, and like, always trying to get the fuck out of here, and it just seemed like a real scumbag thing to be. So we figured, why not make a fucking shirt out of it, you know? Yeah, speaking of uh, ridiculous shit, uh, what about the sticker that I made the other day? Uh, what sticker? See, now I have to look for myself. Oh, shit. Uh, Are you you talking about uh, the fucking rad 1980 sticker? Yeah. Yeah, so this is my favorite sticker so far. Um, The 80s is like coming back. I'm an 80s kid. And like mullets and neon and fucking viper sunglasses, it's coming the fuck back. And I'm super excited for this new, this new, uh, new sticker. Yeah, I, uh, I'm still waiting on to get my proof back that I sent them. Uh, I, I don't want to like give it away. I just, just know that it's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the shape, the size, and what's on it is just going to be like. You're gonna you're gonna order it and you're gonna get it and you're gonna be like, what kind of dickhead makes these kinds of stickers? And it's if you're one of us, you're gonna look at it and laugh. If you look at it and you don't think it's funny, you're obviously not one of us. Um, There's definitely a couple of inside jokes here. I'm looking at the store right now. It's some good stuff. Um, here, I, I can show you since we have a camera of what this next sticker is gonna be. Oh, that's sick. You like that? I, I like and that. It's, it's like the that. whole picture. Very Miami vibe. Yes, test. it's the whole picture, too. Yeah. Um, guys, I'm still doing shit. Get out. Um, next, um, quick plug for um, our other Coast Guard um, shipmates that are out there doing other equally as awesome stuff as we are. Um, we just got in our shirts from the Two Stripe Sailor um, that, are, that are pretty rad. We got some stickers. Those are sick. It's a, a you know one of one of the stickers is a pig and a rooster, which is totally rad. Um, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, Rowdy Sailor, obvious. Uh, Rowdy Sailors just released their new shirt, which is super cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty slick. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, Nautical USA uh, is he's. I think this week he gets his laser back up and running, so he can start. Uh, laser engraving those uh, leather patches and paddles and all his fucking fancy work shit that he does. I'll be definitely getting uh, one of his paddles at leaving my next unit. Uh, we already had kind of something set up here, which we should definitely talk about. Um, if I wasn't doing that, yeah. I would totally go with him. He's top of the line, exquisite work, can pretty much do anything. So take a look at that. Um, any, is that everybody? There's a new company. Uh, it's called Freeboard Apparel. So all these companies that we've talked about are they're, they're still active duty members in the Coast Guard, just being entrepreneurs. Uh, so this Freeboard Apparel company, his his first post he made on Instagram uh, was a picture of their logo, and it said "Stand by for sick tees." <laughs> like tees or like t-shirts. Like. Like, like tees, like t-shirts. Okay. Um, <laughs> whatever you say, man. 
Um, <laughs> all right, is that everybody? I think so, yeah. All right, anybody got any final thoughts besides me? <laughs> you always have something. Well, I was asking if anybody else had one. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, you know, if you if you have a net and you rip a hole in your net, the net now has less holes. Yes. That's okay. it. Bigger, but less. Yeah, yeah bigger hole, but yeah. that, that was your No, I actually thought. have a real one. And the reason I, I, I wrote this one down is because okay. I recently got my subordinates marks. I have two subordinates now because it's a long story, but I have two of them. Um, and I was just looking over the marks and what we go through and what we mark each other as. And I got to it. You know, remember when integrity was on your marks? So, in my mind, integrity is choosing your thoughts and actions based on your values rather than your personal gains. And I think a lot of people lose focus in that in the military and in the like in the real world. You know, like in the real world, you know, you talk shit, someone could hit you in the mouth. You know, in the in the military, not so much because there's rules and stuff. And I, you know, I fuck a lot of shit up. I'm really good at it. You know. I drink, you know, but one of the things I don't do is I, I rarely lie and, uh, you know, my integrity is pretty high and I feel like that's a personal thing for me. So, you know, if you're here for, you know, personal gain, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the wrong job. Get out of my service. If you're here to, you know, uh, you know, for your values, you know, reach out to us. You're one of us. That's my final thought. Very okay. deep, very deep. Yeah, that was a that was a, a weird turn that I wasn't yeah, expecting. I'm, I'm deep. You are. You I'm feeling deep all right? as fuck, man. <laughs> Ask anybody. Well, I mean, an hour and now sixteen minutes of talking about leadership. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe someday I'll be a chief. I doubt it, but who knows? But uh, that's all I got. God help us. If you if you do, I want to be there for your uh, for your initiation uh, for sure. <laughs> I will I will fly to it. <laughs> All right. All right. That's all I got. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Chief. Yeah, man. It's been a pleasure catching up with you guys again. All right. Later.